Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You're listening to the Renegade Blitz Podcast, a podcast for Steelers fans by Steelers fans. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz, read articles on RenegadeBlitz.com, and like us on Facebook. And welcome back to the Renegade Blitz. I'm Ty Polk with Chris Ward and Brandon Walker. It's our first preview episode of the season with Brandon, as we'll go into week two with the Las Vegas Raiders. And guys, it's been a good week for the Steelers coming off the victory for Buffalo. And there's one thing to talk about. Cam Hayward was named the highest rated player from Pro Football Focus this week. He had a 95.5 rating. Guys, let's get your thoughts very quickly on that. Yeah, I thought, you know, he was very deserving of it. I mean, uh, I know Neil Kulong of USA Today, he he said he thought that was his best game of his career. And, uh, you know, it's hard to disagree with, you know, just he was just so dominant, uh, you know, just creating havoc all day against that Buffalo offensive line. Uh, I, I did see some people in the comments say Chandler Jones should have been the highest graded player because he did have five sacks. But, uh, I mean, it, it's hard to disagree with what Hayward displayed against the Bills. Yeah, he had 12 pressures and he uh, recovered a fumble. He owned it, uh, the left tackle from the Bills all day long. It was just bad. Like I told you before, he – I don't know how many he was responsible for. They held T.J. Watt twice, but they held him one at least three to four times. One of them they called, three or four they didn't. I'm like, yeah, that was – he was just nasty on Sunday. So, Yeah, it was a great game by him, and I think it was a lot of that – you you think about the dropbacks, pre, the uh, blitz per dropbacks for the Steelers, 3.9%. It felt like they were bringing five all because of his pressures that game. That was just an absolute master class. Really the entire pass rush for the Steelers. I, I mentioned it on the podcast page with Melvin Ingram, but also a big part of that was Cam Hayward and Tyson Alulu and also the the trio of Wormley, Bugs, and so much others. Most definitely. And now let's talk about the the Raiders coming into Pittsburgh for the home opener. And Chris, the spread is 5.5, but I imagine with a couple of the Raiders injuries that may potentially go up, but also the Raiders did have a good performance on Monday night against the Ravens. Oh, no, the line was on was at six on Monday night, and then after Tuesday morning, it dropped to five and a half. Uh, after that win over the Raiders, uh, over the Ravens, uh, the Raiders are seven and one against the spread in their last eight games against the Steelers, and are five and two straight up in their last seven games against Pittsburgh, according to OddsSharks uh, Oddshark However, Las Vegas is one and four straight up in their last five games when playing on the road against the Steelers. So. Uh, that, that's something to look out for on Sunday. The Steelers, they, 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 
in their former place there with the Raiders in Oakland, they were terrible. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's owned four in Oakland in his career, but uh, at home, you know, he's two and one and uh, they won uh, four of their last five games against the Raiders at home. Brandon, do you <laughs> like those odds? Do you think you're going to go down um, the rivers? I don't, I don't think I'm going down the rivers, but yeah, only because of the injuries, I would say it's a fair spread, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders cover because oh, well. they are always a tough matchup no matter where they are against, against Pittsburgh. I mean, the Steelers, especially when they played in Oakland, but yeah. the game could be here at Heinz Field this Sunday. So we'll see how that goes. And I think this is going to be a good matchup. I think there will be a better matchup than Buffalo in a way. Like I reiterated on Monday. I've seen a couple of Steelers fans say that uh, this actually could be a tougher matchup for the Steelers, even with the injuries. And and I, I'm intrigued by by the Raiders. I've always admired that franchise from whether it's Oakland, Los Angeles, and now Las Vegas. Yeah, it'll be quite the opposite if the Steelers were to lose to the Raiders because everyone's picking the Steelers this week to win. And, you know, last week, as we saw, everyone was on Buffalo. So uh, I, I think it will be a close game, though. But it's interesting that, you know, Ben and uh, Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tom, they both have losing re- uh, records against uh, the Raiders. You know, Ben's two and five and, and Tomlin's two and four in their career. So um, it, sh- it should be a, a competitive game on Sunday, I think. We'll find out more about the Raiders as we have a guest coming up next. And we welcome on Tashawn Reed. He covers the Raiders for the athletic. Tashawn, thank you for coming on the show. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. The Steelers and the Raiders pulled off wins this week, last week, as underdogs. And in regards to the Raiders, they had a, well, probably one of the best Monday night football games ever with that victory over the Ravens in overtime at Allegiant Stadium, the first game played in front of fans in Las Vegas. What was the atmosphere like covering that game to Sean, and what's the feeling around Las Vegas with the Raiders team? Yeah, I mean, that was only the, the second time they really done anything in Allegiant Stadium in front of fans. They had one preseason game at home and had about 50,000 or so fans there, but uh, at that time they still had the mass mandates and and things of that nature. So this time they, uh, you know, they're one of the teams that you know require fans to be vaccinated and kind of as an incentive of doing that fans get to take off their masks and uh, people get a little bit more loose and probably drink a little bit more, relax a little bit. So it was pretty loud in there. Uh, a good amount of Ravens fans, you know, you kind of heard sometimes when uh, I think that's going to be a consistent trend with the Raiders just as, you know, I mean, fans from other teams, they want to come check them, check out their team playing a new stadium or maybe, you know, people who live on the West Coast and, and don't live in the city that their team is from. But, uh, you know, it, it was rocking in there. I mean, it was a, it was a crazy game. Uh, the, the Raiders tend to not make it easy, and, and that was another example of it. You know, they had basically won the game twice, um, kind of off of self-inflicted injuries that they had there, but ended up coming out with a W. And, and Deshaun, I wonder, uh, what's the feeling like with this uh, Raiders team? Like, there were some reports about May- Mike Mayock, the general manager, being on the hot seat and, you know, possibly John Gruden. Um, you know, this is a big year for them. Uh, w- what have you been seeing from that? Do you, do you think this is a, a crucial year for, for both of them? Uh, on Gruden, no. I mean, with that, that contract that he had, yeah. <laughs> he's not, they, they, Gruden's not going anywhere. Uh, as far as Mayock, yeah, I think it's fair to say. I mean, he was even, you know, transparent himself. Uh, I believe he was doing an interview with the uh, NFL Network, maybe, or, or one of the major networks. And, um, you know, he was saying that, you know, it's time to get wins or, you know, he might be, sitting on that broadcast side again next year, you know? And so, um, 
you know, Gruden has complete control. Um, he makes final calls, but uh, Mayock obviously is, you know, involved with the draft process and, and they're scouting and, and free agency. And so, um, you know, if they, they fall short again this year, uh, you know, given his track record, track record that he's had with um, having a couple of drafts under his belt and some of their misses that they've had in free agency, if they fall short again, then uh, Mayock is somebody that, you know, could be on the hot seat. It's not guaranteed, of course, but um, he, he definitely would be uh, somebody that would take the fall along before Gruden would. All right, uh, to Sean. Uh, Derek Carr had an impressive game on Monday night, especially in the fourth quarter, coming back and putting together to drive the setup for a game-winning field goal. And he completed 34-56 with 435 yards and two touchdowns. What did you think about Carr's performance and what are the expectations for him now that he's in his eighth season? Because I know they had a lot of things going on with Mariota. They think he was going to try to step in like in a – Ryan Tannehill's situation last year and this year. How do you feel about his performance and how you think he's going to do moving forward? Uh, I'll start on the – as far as his stats. I mean, there's, I, know, I know that was kind of a narrative going into last year, but there was never really uh, any question about Carr's uh, status as a starter. You know, I mean, it's, it's his team at this point. Like Mary, the gap between Carr and, and Mariota is very substantial, and so something would have to happen to Carr, as it did, you know, in a game last year, the one time Mariota played when Carr got hurt. Uh, he came in, but Mariota at this point for the Raiders is, is more more of a gadget guy, you know, get out there and run some zone reads. Uh, he did have a, he re-aggravated a quad injury that he had in preseason. So um, he may not be available this week. Uh, it depends on how the week goes on. He didn't practice today. Um, but to go back to Carr. Uh, I think he got off to kind of a, a shaky start against the Ravens. Um, uh, you know, he has a new offensive line in front of him. And so, uh, you know, it seems like he was a little bit uncomfortable. I um, mean, he was forcing the ball a bit to Waller. Not a, not a bad guy to force the ball to, but, um, you know, nearly threw a couple of interceptions and it seemed like he had a little bit of tunnel vision. Um, you know, he improved drastically in the second half and uh, was really instrumental in the offense, picking things up and, and helping to make that 14 point comeback. Um, and then obviously in overtime, uh, I know he had that interception, but that was, uh, I would say that was more so on the receiver. It, it, ball could have been thrown a little bit better, um, but it went through receiver's hands and then it got deflected and intercepted. And so I would say pretty much from, from the start of the third quarter on, he, he was pretty, pretty great uh, against the Ravens, but he had a kind of shaky start. And so um, obviously he wants to avoid that going up against another tough defense this week. You don't want to, you know, play too much with falling into those early holes. And there's a really solid receiving cores out in Las Vegas with Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, and Hunter Renford. But of course, Carr's favorite target is Darren Waller. He had 19 targets and 10 receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. Uh, what are your thoughts on this receiving core and Waller, who's really an exceptional talent with his size and speed? Mike Tomlin even compared him to a tight end playing Chase Claypool. Yeah, I mean, he's he's clearly their number one target. He's uh, been that way for, for a couple of years now. Um, he's, you know, obviously he's a tight end, but he, he sort of acts as their ex receiver in a way, um, the, the way that they use him to move him around, you know, split him out wide and, and things of that nature. Uh, you know, but as, as far as the rest of the receiving core, there's pretty much a young, bunch of young and unproven guys. Yeah, Hunter Renfro is, you know, he's shown himself to be a, a legitimate slot receiver in the league. But for Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs, uh, guys that are in their second season now, they, they've shown flashes here and there, but um, they haven't been able to kind of put it together consistently. Um, I, I think week one was a great example of that. I mean, through three quarters, those guys were essentially non-factors. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, both Brian Edwards and then Ruggs started making plays. And then obviously 
uh, Edwards had would look like the game winning touchdown uh, in overtime before Zay Jones had the one that actually won it. And so uh, I think for their outside receivers, they're still kind of searching for consistency. It seems like Carr is still working on trusting them in actual live action. Um, but the Raiders, I mean, they're, they're a unique team. They're not uh, your typical offense. They, they still do a lot of that old school stuff. Uh, two running back sets, two tight end sets, even three tight end sets. Um, and so I, I think the majority of their snaps that they had uh, against the Ravens, they had two or fewer receivers on the field. Um, and, and they're typically a team that doesn't target receivers all that often. Um, and so when it comes to the actual wide receivers, they, they tend to not have as many targets as, as maybe some other teams would. But, uh, you know, just, just off of Waller alone and kind of the, the matchup nightmare that he is, um, is definitely a, a group that I would consider a strength for the team. And, and the Raiders, they didn't get much going on the ground game against the Ravens as running back uh, Josh Jacobs rushed for 30, just 34 yards and 10 carries. However, he did have two uh, rushing touchdowns near the goal line. And, and Jacobs was coming off back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons. Did, did the Raiders just match up bad against the Ravens' run defense, or, or do, you spe- do you expect the offense to be uh, more pass-heavy this year with the impressive receiving core? Oh, they, they definitely want to run, but uh, you know it's something that's been an issue the last couple of years, mostly due to injury. Uh, last year, their offensive line was, was pretty beat up, and uh, even though Jacobs had a thousand yard season, his efficiency dropped pretty much across the board. And, and for all of their running backs, um, they just didn't have as great of a year. And coming into this year, I mean, they were relying on basically uh, two guys that had never entered the season as starters in their center and Andre James and, and their rookie right tackle on Alex Leatherwood. And, uh, you know, they had injuries. I mean, Richie Incognito, one of their starting guards, he went down in the preseason and he missed that game. And so you had John Simpson, he's a second year player, had to step in. I mean, and then on the first snap, first drive of the game, Denzel Good, their other starting guard, went down. And so uh, they had two starters that were out against the Ravens and a, and a bunch of young, three three pretty young guys out there uh, trying to make it work. And so, uh, you know, when you're kind of piecing it together on your offensive line, uh, running the ball is typically something that you struggle against, especially, you know, against kind of a front that the Ravens have. And so, uh, you know, Denzel Good got announced today that he, he suffered a torn ACL, so he'll be out for the season incognito. He's nursing a calf injury, so it's kind of – I see whether he'll play um, against the Steelers this week. And so uh, it'll probably be another week where maybe they're not able to have that much success on the ground, given how their, their offensive line performed uh, from a run standpoint. You know, but Gruden, he's a coach that wants to run the ball. But you know, as we saw, I mean, you know, Derek Carr almost had 60 pass attempts. If it's not working, you can't just run for the sake of work, running. So they will air it out um, if, if, if need be. Okay. All right. The all, it looks like the only starter that you guys had from last year is – I mean, it's Colton Miller because you, uh, Ronnie Hudson went to the Cardinals, Gabe Jackson went to the Seahawks, and they lost another lineman to the free agency as well. So, how do you guys, uh, the Raiders, feel about your matchup against TJ Watt? Because he's going to be going up against Alex, Alex uh, Weather, Leverwood. He's had he had two sacks and a forced fumble last week. So how do you feel about that matchup? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I had to ask them how they, they feel about it. But, um, you know, I, I mean, they, they're bringing back Colton, Colton Miller. And then, uh, I mean, Incognito, you know, if he wasn't injured, he, he's a returning starter. And as well as John Simpson, he was on the team as well last year. So uh, along with Andre James. And so, uh, you know, it's Alex Leatherwood is really the only – fresh newcomer who hasn't been in the system already uh, for a little bit. So uh-huh. um, really the, the issue more so than having guys who aren't familiar with the, with the system or the scheme or, or whatever is it, just injuries right now. And so, um, you know, TJ, why I, I think it doesn't, 
I mean, no matter how good your offensive line is, you're going to be worried about him, right? I mean, he's one of the best, if not arguably the best edge rusher in the game right now. And so, um, you know, Alex Leatherwood, that Ricky right tackle, you know, it's going to be a big test and whenever they draw that matchup. And on the other, other side, even for Colton Miller, I mean, he's proven himself to be a pretty high-level tackle at this point. But as I said, I mean, when you're dealing with an elite player like that, um, it's always going to be a task. And also, you know, on, on the inside with Cameron Hayward. And so um, I think, you know, right now I would say the, the, the Raiders, their tackles are, are stronger than their interior offensive line um, with those two guards going down, as I mentioned, and uh, having a new center and Andre James kind of figuring things out in his first few games as a starter. And so I think the, the Steelers, uh, I mean, they could have, you know, success getting pressure across the line, but I really think on the interior is where the biggest opportunity awaits for the Steelers and, and where the biggest concern is for the Raiders. And now let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. The Raiders pass rush had a great night against the Ra- the Ravens, especially Max Crosby, who just straight up abused Alejandro Villanueva at times. According to Pro Football Focus, the Raiders generated a pass rush on 59% of dropbacks against the Ravens, which was a big improvement early on. What are your thoughts about the Raiders pass rush specifically Max Crosby, who's going to have another favorable matchup on Sunday against the Steelers' right tackle, Chuk Sikorafor. And also, I know that there's a couple injuries on the defensive line for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, you know, with that 2019 draft class, I mean, the Raiders have been getting a lot of flack, you know, you know so far rightfully so for drafting Clee Farrell number four overall. But uh, the best pass rusher they got that year ended up being Max Crosby that they, dra- they found in the fourth round. And, uh, and they've been a good player his first two years, but I mean, in that, that first game, I mean, he looked, you know, like a like a button star. You know, he, he's somebody that in the past he's struggled with run defense, honestly. And, and you know, they're kind of questions. You know, maybe is he best fit as a rotational pass rusher? And um, against the Ravens, he looked like an every down guy. I mean, he was he was giving them fits. Um, you know, and, and obviously, you know, they they signed Yannick Ngakwe this off season, um, and he played well as well early on. He did get hurt. He had a, a hamstring injury in the second half, and so he didn't get to finish the game. But it kind of cleared the way for Carl Nassib, who signed with them last year, but really struggled in his first season. But um, he came up with that huge strip sack of, of Lamar Jackson in overtime, and uh, he had a few pressures. I think he had five pressures overall in the game, and so it wasn't just that one play for him. And so, uh, you know, Farrell was, was inactive. He was a healthy scratch. And um, Gakwe, he, he did go through walkthroughs today. Um, you know, we have to see how that hamstring goes throughout the week. Those are always tricky. But, um, you know, if Ngakwe is out, then surely, you know, Farrell will, will, will be active for this game against the Steelers. Um, so that's kind of the big questions for them on the edge is, you know, is Ngakwe ready to go? Because that duo of him and Crosby, uh, you know, did look fierce. But, um, you know, if he isn't there, you know, uh, NASA, he looked pretty good. But obviously he's not, you know, Ngakwe and, and to that level. And so that's something that I'm sure – Obviously, both the Raiders and the Steelers will be watching as this week progresses. Um, you know, the injury that you spoke of as well inside, Gerald McCoy, um, he, he suffered a knee injury and he'll be out for the season. Um, he had been their backup one technique. Um, they're pretty deep at tackle. And so, uh, you know, he, he was, like I said, he was already a backup. Um, and so it's not so much with him. I don't think that'll have a huge on-field impact as much as, you know, he just brought that veteran locker room presence and was helping the young guys along the way. Um, but on the inside, I mean, they have Quentin Jefferson and, and Darius Phylon and Solomon Thomas and Jonathan Hankins. So they have a, a good group of guys there um, on, on the interior. And so really it's just, it's just about Ngakwe, I think, whether this this team kind of reached a level in terms of pass rush as it did week one. Um, but I think even without them, you know, they'd, they'd still be pretty good. 
And uh, at linebacker, they have a trio of Corey Littleton, Denzel Perryman, and, and former longtime Seahawks linebacker KJ Wright. How is uh, Wright fight, fitting into the Raiders' uh, defensive scheme? Yeah, I mean he's he was a late addition. Uh, you know, he joined after the, the preseason games wrapped up. But um, as you mentioned, you know, being a longtime Seahawk, they play you know they played cover three up there you know as their primary defense for years. Um, and so he's used to the system with Gus Bradley. He played under Gus Bradley his first couple of years in the league. And so there was a low familiarity, but, um, you know, he stepped in right away as their starting uh, Sam linebacker. Uh, the Raiders are a team that, um, you know, nickel really is their base defense. And so uh, it was Perriman and Littleton who were the, the two primary linebackers on the field in that case. Um, but, you know, when they did go with their traditional 4-3 base, uh, right did come in. And uh, he only had two tackles, but he did make a nice four-for-one stop. But, uh, be interesting to see if he plays a little bit more this week. I think he had 30-something snaps. Um, he kind of split snaps with the the nickelback. Um, if they have Nate Hobbs, it kind of – they rotate. You know, anytime Nate Hobbs came in the game, KJ Wright would come out and vice versa. Um, so we'll see if they lean one way or another. I guess it, it probably would likely depend, you know, if the Steelers are having success on the ground or not. All right, moving on to the secondary. They got Trayvon Mullen Jr. and former uh, Charger Casey Hayward Jr. as their corners. And Donovan Abram for first-round pick at strong safety. And Trayvon Mooring at free safety. Pass defense has been a big issue for the Raiders the past few years. How do you feel about the Raiders' secondary this season, and how do you think they match up against the Steelers' deep wide receiving course? Yeah, I think their, their secondary <laughs> has gotten a little better just because of uh, natural progression, for one. I mean, Trayvon Mullen is his third year. Jonathan Abrams is his third year. And so you kind of expect those guys to start clicking at this point. Um, they do have a couple of Ricky starters, like I said, in, in Merrick and Hobbs. And so, um, you know, the, those kind of guys are always going to have growing pains along the way. Uh, Casey Hayward, I mean, he's, you know, established as a veteran at this point. He is getting a little bit older, but he, he looked pretty sharp in week one, I thought. Um, and so they, they've, they've seemed to benefit from the scheme change. You know, in the last couple of years, they, they were running a cover six defense on Paul Gunther with more too high looks. Um, and it was more complex um, and complicated and, and that can be an issue for young defensive backs. And, you know, the cover three scheme is, is much more simple. Uh, you know, it allows a guy to play more free. Um, Abram has transitioned into more of a, a box role um, this this season. So I mean, week one, he took most of his snaps either in the box or lined up at the slot. And so he's not responsible for as many as little deep zones anymore. And so that, that kind of lessens the room that he has to make mistakes. And um, really with that cover three, obviously the goal is to take away the the intermediate to deep passes and, and they're kind of susceptible to some underneath stuff as a result of that. The Ravens did have some success um, kind of having some short passes and, and getting yards after the catch, but um, that's something that they're going to live with in this defense. They really don't change too much out of that cover three, um, you know, even if teams start hitting underneath. And so obviously with the Steelers and Big Ben, you know, as he's aged, you know, he's really prioritized getting it out quickly and allowing those talented receivers to get the work after the catch. And so Tackling will be a big point of emphasis, obviously, for that secondary. Um, you know, even if you allow those underneath completions, you have to be able to limit them to, you know, as least amount of yardage as you can. And so um, if they have some missed tackles out there, the Steelers can still create some big plays, even if they aren't, you know, completing those long passes down the field. And so, uh, you know, the secondary looked good in week one, but it's definitely a challenge with that loaded Steelers receiver score. So um, we're now in the final couple of questions that we have right now. So my question is this. If the Raiders were to win this game, who did you who would you think would be the biggest factor in that victory? 
Um, I don't, I don't know so much if it would be a, a individual, but I, I think just position group wise, it would have to be the offensive line. I mean, you know, if coming off those injuries and, um, you know, kind of having some of the struggles that they had in week one, if they're able to, uh, you know, not necessarily dominate, but even just be, you know, pretty good against this, this Steelers defensive front with how talented they are and how they made the bills look in week one. Um, you know, if the Raiders are able to pull this one out, I think it'd be because the offensive line plays better than expected and kind of keeps that offensive line going. You know, they're able to get the run game going and, you know, Derek Carr doesn't have to throw the ball 60 times and they, and they have more balance and, and they're more efficient. So um, if they do come out with the victory, I think it'll be largely because of that offensive line. And to double back on that, is that your biggest concern for Las Vegas against the Steelers is uh, is the offensive line um, blocking that, that front seven the Steelers have? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, already, you know, the offensive line, there were some questions coming into this season with them losing uh, three starters from last year, you know, Rodney Hudson, Trent Brown and Gabe Jackson. But, um, you know, another concern was their depth and they already had two significant injuries to starters um, to begin this season. And so uh, I think that has to be a concern, you know, uh, you know, if they can't get that run game going and, and they get, get run one dimensional against the Steelers defense, I think it'll be a long day for the offense. And so I, I think that definitely has to be the biggest concern. Uh, what's your prediction? I haven't settled on a score yet. Um, but I, I think the Raiders, uh, you know, I, I think they can pull, pull off an upset here um, on the road. Um, you know, I, I think with, with the, the Steelers offense uh, looking at the way it did in, in week one, um, Big Ben, uh, you know, he, he hasn't looked too good since that, that, that injury, the elbow injury that he had a couple of years ago. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of underneath stuff and, um, you can't push the ball deep that often anymore to take advantage of those weapons. And so, um, you know, obviously there's, there's some room for, for health here. If Ngakwe can't go and the pass rush isn't what it, it was in week one that changes things. But if they're able to get after Big Ben and, and then sort of slow up, slow down that, that run game uh, for the Steelers, uh, you know, I think they can keep it close. And um, as we saw in week one, you know, if it's close, that, that offense has enough talent and they're explosive enough to make key plays end up pulling off the win. And so, um, like I said, there's some room for, for health, but uh, I think, you know, with their defense, I think they should be able to hang um, with the Steelers offense and um, kind of have them look similar to the way they did in week one. And if, you know, they are in that range of scoring, you know, only, but really they had the blocked punt for a touchdown. So they really only scored, you know, a couple of times against the Bills. If it's that kind of a situation, I think that's a game that, that the Raiders think they can win. Well, we want to have one last good question before we leave. And uh, Derek Carr uh, talked about the rivalry with the Steelers and the Raiders. And he said, and he said, the ball hit the ground. And in Pittsburgh, that's always something that's a point of contention. So we want to get your thoughts on uh, that statement from Derek Carr. And uh, do you agree? Uh, I mean, it's, you know, film is a little grainy, you know, I, I <laughs> I'll agree with what the with the refs ruled it, but uh, you know, Derek Carr, he's um, you know, he has fun with the media a little bit. You know, he, I'm sure he thought knew that was going to circulate on social social media and get some fans a little bit riled up. So, wouldn't read too deep into it, but um, I think he's just having some fun out there. How do you think about after 50 years? How do you think they do not have conclusive evidence of that play? Like I said, oh. it's just the quality of video. I mean, like. You know, you look at that play. I mean, wasn't wasn't uh, you know, it didn't have the four K cameras back then. You know, and all the replay angles and reviews. And so, I mean, you know, you're watching it in the way it looks. I mean, you kind of have your own judgment about it. But it's it's fifty years ago, so anybody <laughs> mad about that, you need to get something else to be mad about. Man. 
Uh, there's a lot of people that can be mad just about anything. Uh, talk about the last two Super Bowl wins for the yeah. Steelers. But Tashawn, thanks so much for coming on the show. That's Tashawn Reed. He covers the Las Vegas Raiders for the Athletic. And Tashawn, tell people where they can find your work. Yeah, just uh, you know, theathletic.com. Um, you know, all my written work is there. We have a podcast as well, State of the Nation. Um, but just follow me on Twitter at Tashawn Reed and I tweet out all my stuff and appreciate y'all for having me on. And that was Tashawn Reed of The Athletic. We thank him for coming on the show. Guys, I want to get get your thoughts on this matchup, Steelers versus Raiders. Um, I'm pretty confident, as Chris said, in the first break that now suddenly everyone's all in on the Steelers bandwagon after last week with the Steelers and Bills. Of course, nobody really gave them a chance and they walked into Buffalo. So expectations are much higher. And I'm going to say that the Steelers will win this game 27 to 17. Yeah, I, th- I think of the scoring range, I'm going with uh, something similar to you. Uh, I'll say the Steelers win uh, 26 to 23. I'll say a late field goal wins the game. It's always tough for on a short week for, and you're playing across country and you injuries. But I think Oakland's going to – oops, sorry. Las Vegas is going <clears> to <throat> acquit themselves well here. I think that is a confidence builder that they have Monday night. They can complete against a higher-end team in the AFC. However, I'm still going to go with the Steelers here. I'm, it's going to be a little bit higher scoring than people are going to think. I'm going to say Steelers is going to win 30-26. Wow, that really is a higher scoring game. And I'm interested to see what the Steelers do in front of a home crowd. Yes, there were some blurbs last year with, of course, the pandemic in which fans were allowed in the building. But now it's a full house. And you've seen how it was with Buffalo last week. Sometimes you're a little bit too charged up for your own good. Right. So we'll see. Yeah, it should be a great atmosphere because, you know, this is the first regular season game with fans in the in the crowd in the, in the, in the stadium since uh, almost two years ago, or, or December 2019. So, yeah, almost two years ago. And, guys, who do you think is going to be the big-time player for the Steelers? For me, I'm going to go right back into that well, and I'm going to say it's going to be Cam Hayward once again. Uh, just having a 12-pressure game, and I think that's probably going to change a lot of what the Steelers want to do defensively, which is a good thing. I think that's going to allow them to be able to drop back more in coverage and have a little bit more confidence to play great secondary play, and I think we're going to see a couple covered sacks, and I think Cam Hayward's going to get one of those covered sacks. Yeah, I think the obvious one is T.J. Watt going up against Leatherwood there who's at right tackle for the Raiders, but um, I'll, I'll change things. I won't say Chase Claypool. I think he'll have a, a, a big game. I think he'll have a touchdown, at least a touchdown. And um, I would like to say over hundred yards receiving, I guess maybe that's a little bit of bold. I don't know, but I think he'll have a little bit more, more stat wise here against uh, the Raiders than he, he put, he put on a good game uh, last week, but he didn't have like the stats per se, but I think he'll have a, a pretty good game here. I'm going to go Najee Harris. I think he will play better. I think the Raiders' run defense is still questionable. They gave up six – I know it's not much – 65 yards to a – the running back from, 
fifth string running back from the Ravens, I think, now. Tyson so Williams. So I think the run defense is yes, Tyshawn Williams. He's gonna be a factor in the running passing game too. I think he's gonna have a big game, 100 total yards and a touchdown. That's my stat line for him. Bold predictions, Brandon, here on the Renegade Blitz. And be sure to check out this game. It's going to be 1 p.m. on CBS. Ian Eagle, Charles Davis, and Brandon Washburn are on the call again for the second straight week. Of course, you can also check out the game on the Steelers radio network with Bill Hillgrove, uh, Craig Wolfley, and Max Starks. Uh, And, of course, always be sure to check us out on the Renegade Blitz. You can follow us at rblitzpod. And you could follow myself, Ty Polk, at Prez, P-R-E-Z, underscore T-Y-P-O-L-K. And Brandon, where can we follow you? P. Walker to Dawn. Oh, sorry. Okay. You could follow me at Blitz Videos, but I am in the process of bringing back my personal account soon. I just haven't got to it yet. Yeah, we hope to get the big old main account with 85,000 followers back. <laughs> But, of course, you know, we're at the mercy of the tweeter bird, as always. But we'll see how that goes. But if not, we'll be on the Blitz video account until further notice. So we'll have to see. We're going to be relentless. We're going to be relentless tweeting. (laughs) That's what we're going to do. And, of course, be sure to catch uh, Tashawn Reed as well. Follow him at Tashawn Reed on Twitter. And... Guys, any final thoughts? Just follow. I'm going to have an article there after the game. I'm going to be writing articles for Renegade Blitz. And you might see me get some uh, enemy intel on certain games. Awesome. And, uh, and of course, I'm going to attempt to have a column out every Wednesday on the RenegadeBlitz.com. This week, I talked about the Steelers' pass rush. And, of course, you could check that out on the RenegadeBlitz.com. That's our blog. And, of course, you can always see Chris. He's always writing something on the RenegadeBlitz.com. Uh, Chris, talk about some of the articles that you've written this week. I always, Every week I do the point spread. So I, I usually like to use Odd Shark. Um, and like we mentioned during the podcast, the Steelers are five and a uh, five and a half point uh, favorites against the Raiders. But um, the articles I wrote, I wrote about the Hayward grading out as the best player across the league. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus. And then I said Steelers got a steal on Melvin Ingram. I love that sign. And we, we were really high on that when it happened. Um, I, I think he's a, he's just a great addition there by Colbert and, and company. Um, and the, Oh, and I, I, earlier uh, yesterday I wrote about Kevin Colbert was at North Carolina's practice uh, to presumably get a close look at quarterback Sam Howell. I don't know if you guys saw that tweeted out by Mac Brown, the head coach of North Carolina, but Colbert there was right next to him. So it kind of got Steeler fans, you know, their eyebrows raised a little bit, kind of thinking about after this season. What do you guys think about Sam Howell? Well, I think that he he didn't show very well with Virginia Tech. I actually thought that Kenny Pickett looked better against Tennessee than he is. Like I did say that on Monday, but it's just I'm not too impressed with any of these high-end quarterbacks that they're talking about right now. They'll have to show me some. And they're all about 6'1", 2", or 6'2". 
So they don't look like your big drop back Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes type quarterbacks. None of them are there. They're not that. So we're going to have to see something during the college football season. Yeah, I saw some people in the comments section saying that he's basically just Baker Mayfield. So I didn't know if they're saying that basically off his his uh, you know his physical appearance because he he's only six foot one. I think I saw. Well, it's right. a long season, at least with with the college football season, and even longer season when it comes to the draft process. I'm sure the Steelers will do their due diligence and. Of course, it's always great to get a retweet from Mac Brown, one of the most respected coaches in college football. And uh, Mac, if you're listening, thank you for tuning in to the Renegade Blitz. That's Chris Ward. That's Brandon Walker. I'm Ty Polk. We'll see you next week for the recap podcast of Raiders Steelers. Thank you for listening to the Renegade Blitz podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Renegade Blitz. Read articles on renegadeblitz.com and like us on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, iHeart, and Spotify.